Jonathan Taylor had thumb surgery. What should we expect? Cooper Cup, he was banged up last week. Is it possible he could still be effective? Devon Achane, Achan. <laughs> he had a setback, but can we trust him? He's he's set to start. And the Saints wide receivers, they're, it's just, as soon as Madre, they're decimated. So will Chris Olave play? And Trey McBride, he's battling a calf injury when he's been such a revelation. How serious is it? All of that and more, we're coming up on the Injury Prone Podcast. Mis amigos and amigas, hey, you know what? It's Friday. It's the Friday, week 13, lucky number 13. It's the update. You know what? First off, make sure you're giving us a like and subscribe on YouTube. Por favor, por favor. You know what? Get get in there. Get in there. Also, make sure you're getting into the Patreon, patreon.com slash injury prone. Get that up-to-date information from El Hombre himself, El Doctor, El Doctor Evan Porras, mi amigo. ¿Cómo estamos? Estamos bien. Listo. Ready to talk a little bit of fantasy football. We were just talking before we hit record. Um, if you're still listening to this, thank you. And congratulations, you are still in it. Um, some of my teams are dead. My Scott Fish team, dead. Uh, I made the first round. Uh, or right, last week was the first round, right? Yeah. Yes. I missed the cut by less than nine points. So I was a little upset about that. But hey, you know what? It's easier that way. Then I can just take it off my app, right? I just delete it. And then it's one less league I have to worry about. Uh, pretty much dead in another another league. I'm the the um, Joe's, Joe's and Pros League with Scott Frankel, uh, our buddy Scott. Uh, uh, that one we've, <laughs> we've lost five straight. We started hot. We started five and one, and then have just come crashing down since then. Uh, so that one's pretty much dead. Other than that, I'm alive in every other league except one, I think. So not to flex, but we're in, we're in enough leagues. And I used to get, I don't know what your family tells you, your friends tell you, Jorge, but, uh, a lot of the, the, the dudes, the players that would find out like, Oh, you do fantasy stuff. Baseball players love fantasy football, right? So one of them would, would give me a lot of shit. He's like, well, yeah, I mean, if I had 50 teams and I'm sure you threw one against the wall, one of them's going to be good. So I'd always have to defend my overall record. So uh, I, at one point I was like, eh, I'm really questioning, like, is it really worth it? But I'm, I'm above 500, um, batting above 500 for, for all my leagues so far. I don't know about you. How are you doing in your 27 leagues? Oh, my goodness. Uh, pretty pretty good ones. Uh, I'm flexing my, my main Familia League. So I'm 10 and 2 with a two-game lead. So if I get one more win, all I need, to, I clinch the first seed. But I've been jinxed in that one. Funny thing is my, my Familia 2.0 league, I'm in last place, 2 and 11. So it's just been, it's just, it's just hilarious everywhere else. Uh, pretty much in the fight, either, either like, uh, you know, in, in it solidly in a playoff spot or yet, you know, within shouting distance of a playoff spot. So almost have it, almost have it, but, uh, yeah, we're still creating. And, and actually you mentioned Scott fishbowl. I barely made the cut to the second round, but the guy we let off with is, uh, my main dude. Uh, so we're going to be talking about him and, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a letter because I, I had to start Rico Dowdle instead. So, uh, didn't Jonathan uh, Taylor, isn't Jonathan Taylor, the guy who made you, uh, drink tragos amargos <laughs> earlier this season? I think he is. He I think he was. He did. There's a song for those who are listening. There's a, a, a Mexican, a song by a Mexican artist. Uh, it's called tragos amargo licor, otherwise translated as, uh, drinks of bitter liquor. And it's essentially a heartbreak song. And uh, Jorge told us earlier this year how he took quite a bit of Jonathan Taylor. And then, it, you know, it was week three or two or three or whatever it was. And he was crying about uh, Tragos Amargo Licor. And uh, he's right back to where he started, man. So um, <laughs> we're right back to where you started. So we can get into it. Why don't we? I think that's a good transition. Why don't we move into it? 
<laughs> yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into it because it's gonna be it's Yorada Yorada, and I'm gonna be out of there pretty soon. So yeah, you know what? Let let's let's jump into him and we'll talk about some of the guys in a, in a second. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, you know what? Thumb surgery. You know what? First off, you know what? What can we expect? And I want to see if I can, if you can, kind of give us a little bit of information on how he, uh, his kind of like his injury might be different from Justin Fields and kind of like the difference between a quarterback and a running back. Yeah. So this is a really good idea. Uh, good. Uh, good topic to to hit on. So Jonathan Taylor. What we're making the assumption right now um, is that he has a torn UCL ligament, right? So uh, I guess I, that's a double a double negative there. A UCL, so ulnar collateral ligament. It's the same name as the injury that pitchers undergo, but it's not at the elbow, obviously. It's on the inside of the thumb. So that ligament, it is not uncommon for that ligament to, to tear, to rupture. And Jim Ursay says he can be back in two weeks, and I'm thinking to myself, that is pretty fast. Maybe they're looking at a ligament tear that isn't quite um you know doesn't have an avulsion otherwise some of the bone also broke off maybe it's a relatively straightforward procedure where they can come in and get out but the the bottom line is uh we do have some data on this for for jonathan taylor and his thumb and what we know is that there's a sample of 23 nfl players so that's a pretty small sample um and these are skilled players right so 22 were able to return out of 23 so almost every single player comes back what we find is that of those 22 players, nine of them are about 41%. They did come back before six weeks. But the average amount of time that those players missed was 35 days. Otherwise, you know, five weeks. So even if he's beating a timeline of five weeks, I mean, that's still a three or four week layoff. They haven't placed him on injured reserve yet. But you also bring up a really fascinating point or like a point of discussion here. What is the difference between, you know, a thumb injury for a quarterback versus a thumb injury for a running back? When you're a quarterback, you need that stability. That's what that ligament provides is stability and grip strength to be able to chuck the ball, throw the ball, put English on it, whatever you need to do. That thumb provides stability for your thumb and it just allows you to, to be able to move and maneuver and do what you need to ball handling, all that stuff, take, take snaps. That's why we saw Justin Fields take so long to come back. Now he probably had a little bit of the Justin Fields probably had some UCL uh, damage. I'm not sure exactly how much though. We're not sure on the specifics when it comes to a running back. It is t a tad bit different because he probably Jonathan Taylor, if he comes back, let's say he does, you know, miraculously come back after two weeks, he is probably going to be in a brace. He's probably going to be extremely sore and he's probably going to have very weak grip strength because once you cut somebody open at the hand, it really reduces your grip strength. Your brain shuts down and you just need time to come back. So ball security is a real thing. Catching the ball is a real thing. Putting your hands up to block is a real thing. Any sort of sort of uh, uh, pressure downward and for the podcast audience, I'm sort of pushing my thumb downward. Um, that's going to either re-aggravate it or it's going to disrupt the, the, the surgical site. It is a risky move to come back for Jonathan Taylor at two weeks. So I guess I would plan for at least two weeks of Jonathan Taylor. Um, I, this is probably pretty obvious, but Jorge, you can chime in here. Um, if he comes back, he's probably still going to be limited. He's going to have a high risk of re-injury. So uh, what are you doing, my amigo? Are you, are you picking up more Zach Moss? Are you just sitting in the corner, tragos de Margolicor, and just saying, <laughs> forget about it, screw it? What are you doing here? Uh, well, on that Scott Fishbowl team, it's got, Zach Moss is long gone, long gone. But Zach Moss is the play this week. I mean, and and it's against Tennessee. because and And who is the only running back you go for 100 yards against Tennessee? Zach Moss. 
165 yards earlier this season. So this game's going to be in Tennessee and it's going to be, um, you know, a little bit different, but I mean, you, you grab Zach Moss scouring the waiver wire other otherwise i mean guys that are going to be widely available at this point um you know it's kenneth game those kind of guys but yeah you know another thing as you were talking i was kind of reminding remembering it's about 10 uh 10 years ago it was during the world baseball classic hanley ramirez um hanley ramirez he uh ruptured his ucl and he was knocked out from like late march to about middle of may and granted grabbing a baseball bat is going to be very different than than a fo than football but you know what that i mean they they were waiting for the the healing to take place so um yeah i mean when when you were saying two to three weeks uh and, and talking about it and talking about that timeline and kind of like just needing needing it to heal i don't know i think it's it, it'll if, if they're still in the playoff hunt at that point maybe but uh, you know, it's, it's pretty, it's getting late early out there. So, uh, yeah, start, start grabbing, grabbing anything you can off the waiver wire. Cause I don't know what we're going to see on him. So, uh, vamos a ver, vamos a ver. All right, mi amigo, Cooper cup. And, and you can, and, and earlier this week on, on the, the walking clinic, the Tuesday, the Tuesday waiver wire show, um, you talked about the, you, you talked about the, the injury in there. So, you know how some people are starting to downgrade and people are starting to put him into questions like, you know, you know, start sick questions with much lesser receivers that weren't taken in the first two rounds of uh, fantasy drafts. I mean, kind of what what going into this one, it's going to be a tough it's it. We don't know about the the state of the secondary for the uh, there's there are some injuries with the Cleveland Browns, but they've been a very good one. But this game will be at home. It won't be in Cleveland in, in uh, cold elements. What's kind of the, uh, kind of the, the I mean, just really the overall outlook for him, not just for this week, but maybe for rest of season. I mean, it, could he be too banged up to really, you know, to to be as effective as Cooper Cup has been through the last, first half of the season last year? So I think this is a fair question, and I understand where the question's coming from. Um, but I do think there's – and it's frustrating, right? He's your first-round pick. You already went four weeks without him. Um, you know, he hasn't really come back and been that guy, right? He came back and scored 11-20 and then 4-9-2-4-1 fantasy point, right? And – um the question really arises is like, what is going on with Cooper Cup, right? And his targets have gone since he returned in week five, 12, nine, seven, I mean, 10 and seven. He just hasn't really put up the numbers that we would expect Cooper Cup to put up. So I, I can't tell you 100% exactly what's going on with Cooper Cup. I can tell you he had in week six, he had that 21 point performance in PPR uh, and standard. I was actually standard league. Um, oh, I'm looking at his, my bad. I'm looking at his, at his standard scoring. We all know that PPR is God's game. So if I switch it over to, to I'll, be, I'll be generous and do half PPR, right? He yeah, came back, scored 16, scored 24, scored uh, 5.9, 4.1, 5.8, right? So it has not been promised. Since those first two games back, you know, he just, it, something's going on here. Um, and I don't know the answer, to be 100% honest. Could it be the hamstring? Maybe that's not the most likely scenario. We had plenty of time to come back from that. I know that we've seen some sort of fringe analysis that, oh, Cooper Cup might retire. I think that's pretty large speculation. I think that's speculation we can't necessarily make. There have been rumors about his health overall that I don't really buy. Um, there's been a lot of weird stuff surrounding Cooper Cup. But, man, 
we see this every year, right? Like this is what it was like when Christian McCaffrey quote, couldn't stay healthy. I'm doing air quotes for the podcast audience. This is, you know, this is what happened when I'm trying to think of who else have we been through? Uh, uh, George Kittle quote, couldn't stay healthy. I've, I've been, listen, I haven't been in the game that long, five years. I think this is my fifth or sixth season at this point, compadre, but like, this is not uncommon for guys to have a big injury and then come back and be not the same, and then they bounce back the following year. Christian McCaffrey is a perfect example, right? So I don't know what's going on with Cooper Cup. That's a long-winded way to tell you I don't know what's going on with Cooper Cup, but somebody's got to fall into the average, into, into the averages of the data. And when you look at the data since 2018, players with a low ankle sprain, um, they do see the a median point differential of 78%. In other words, you take all of the medians of the guys coming back from a low ankle sprain who missed time, and their first game back, they're 78%. Uh, of what they usually typically are from a medium perspective. You also see that he he went out there and he immediately sort of, tore, you know, uh, re-injured the ankle. Well, somebody's got to fall into that 20% recurrence rate, right? So you he's not 100%. Cooper Cup's probably like 75, 80% if I had to put a sort of guessing game on it. Um, he hasn't been the same. I don't blame you if you start somebody uh, in place of him in some leagues, but you know, it's the same thing. I, I would live with the result last week. I know we recommended last week starting Cooper Cup. I would live. With, I'm living with that result. Unless you trade him away for something that is comparable, I'm probably starting Cooper Cup again, especially in PPR leagues. So I get it if you don't want to. But how are you going to feel if Cooper Cup had another week to recover? Um, it's a, just a lateral ankle sprain. It's still not the end of the world. Um, and how would you feel if he goes and puts up 25 points, right? Is it likely not necessarily, but how are you going to feel even if he puts up 15 points, right? 15, 16 points get you there with some of these guys, some of these matchups. So, um, you just have to really analyze how will I feel in a best case scenario and in a worst case scenario and, and sort of reverse engineer it from there. That's how I help. Uh, that's how I make my decisions. Compadre. I don't know if you're any different than I am. And you also got to take into account the, um, the context of the week. I mean, this is six teams are on by this week. I, I, I mean, I've got teams that uh, I, my entire my I've got a, I recommended to sit Drake London in, uh, in in a Yahoo article that was published today, but I have to start him because I have literally an entire reserve bench that's filled with guys on by. So you know, you just got to take your chance. I don't see how you can have better, you know, kind of like if, if you, you're in a three wide receiver league or even two wide receiver with one or two flexes, I can't see how you're going to have three or four players who are better than, than what you can get from 80% of, or 90% of Cooper cup, whatever you're getting. It's a home game and you know, he thrives when he he's at home. I just, I can't see it. I, I can't see sitting Cooper cup. Cause you're right. You, you're going to, you're going to get egg on your face when he gets, when he gets targeted 10 times, catches eight, even gets 75 yards and maybe gets a touchdown because he's that good. He's just that, well, that talented. And even if we look at, um, and we can put a bow on this conversation. Um, if you look at since week five, since Cooper cup came back, um, I mean, let's look at uh, uh, Puka Nakua's numbers, right? So that same game where cup also went off, Puka Nakua had 16 points. And then starting in week six, Puka Nakua, 4.6 points, week seven, 19.4 points. But since then 5.8, 4.7, the bye week, 16.2, 4.7. It's not like Puka Nakua has been going off either, right? I think that we're also uh, forgetting that NFL defenses exist and forgetting the fact that these guys also are guarded on a daily basis, right? On a, on a, on a weekly basis. And Puka Nakua hasn't her earned more than eight targets in, <laughs> since week five. Well, let's say since week six, he hasn't earned more 
than eight targets except twice. So, you know, it's not just Cooper Cup. It's not just the fact that he's banged up. This offense is, is you know, even though Stafford looks fine for what we anticipated or expected, it's also a matter of the offense. There's a lot more to this than just, oh, Cooper Cup's, you know, going to die and he's retired and, you know, this, these dramatic sort of headlines that you see. So um, that's really what I got on, on Cooper Cup. We can move on. Yeah, just put a bow on it. Don't believe anybody who says a player is going to retire until the player actually retires. So just don't believe them. Don't believe them. Olvídate. Just move on. Move on. And we're going to move on. Devon Achane, our, our favorite name to say. So today he was announced that he's going to be actually starting, uh, that, that he's back, is expected to be active. And, um, you know, going up against the Washington Commanders, I know it's a road game. It might be a little cold, might be a little, might be wet, might be raining a little bit. But I mean, with with ten, let's say he gets ten, eight to ten uh, touches. I, I'm I, I'm inclined to start him. Give give me, give me these as, as far as his prognosis for being back. I think that you can be a little bit more cautious with Devon Achana because um, he did have a re injury. Right, you don't love that he was out five weeks essentially. And then the first touch that he has, it gets landed on again. I do think again, and I hate to be this guy. Cause you know me, compadre, I'm not this guy. Um, he's small, man. Yeah. He is small. The injuries that he's sustained are specifically contact injuries where you would be, you would be concerned about his size coming into play. Uh, he immediately re-injured the knee. We know that it wasn't severe. He continued to practice and maybe just needed another week or two. These injuries can linger. These MCL injuries can linger, you know, into the six, seven week mark. So the hope is that that is what's going on with Devon Achane. I think you're in a high risk. If you're in a high risk, high reward scenario, right? For example, I'm in a league where I'm the, I'm basically taught, you know, there's a three-way tie for the sixth seed into the playoffs right now. I need every point that I can get, and I'm being extremely aggressive about how I get those points. So in that kind of league, probably starting Devon Achan, right? If I'm the two seed, the three seed, I'm pretty much locked up, pretty much locked up the, you know, a playoff spot. And I don't necessarily need him. Let's say, for example, you know, I, I have I have one team where I have Devon Achan and Kyron Williams, hashtag stay ready on the waiver wire. Um, and I don't necessarily need to start Devon Achan, right? And I have another running back that I'm starting. So those are the scenarios that you're going to have to pick through in your head. So there is a risk of re-injury. But again, Devon Achan needs 10 touches, like you said, maybe eight to 10 touches, and uh, he can make one explosive play. So it's just a matter of what, again, sort of like Cooper Cup conversation. What are you willing to live with? Uh, I'm willing to live with in some leagues, wanting to see him do it first and know that he's actually back back and doesn't need you know, more time off because that's always a possibility, as opposed to throwing him in a lineup and just sort of seeing what happens and flying blind. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're, they're the teams where I have them. I I need them. I need them to come through. So I'm I'm putting them in. I'm putting them in, and I'm taking the chance that it, you know with with getting eight to ten touches that maybe he could break off a long one. So we'll, we'll and and the Washington Commanders are so bad against. That, that's one of the worst defenses out there. Just I mean, just I'm taking the chance on the home run ball on that one. So we'll we'll see. Uh, as much as I love saying the name Achane. Uh, and give me a, but I, I think ho hopefully we retire him and he's back to getting 10 to 15 touch next week. So, um, the next one, the saints wide receivers. I mean, it's just, it's a mash unit. You, you've already got Michael Thomas on, 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 uh, 
on IR. You've got uh, Chris Olave in the concussion protocol. He has not been cleared as as at the time as you know we're in early afternoon uh, and on the East Coast. You've got, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, Chris Olave, Rashid Shahid is trending toward not playing. And I mean, everybody's grabbing A.T. Perry right now, but like kind of what do we have any indication first off on Olave and uh, maybe to a lesser extent on Shahid? Shahid probably not going to go. Um, yeah. That's a little surprising, but Shahid is probably going to miss this week, potentially next week, depend uh, based on what we're hearing. Uh, when it comes to Chris Olave, this is a really interesting situation, right? Things aren't looking great for him, although he has been limited in practice, although he's still in the concussion protocol. Um, I want to emphasize how different every human brain is, every human, you know, in general is. Every brain is generally different. These these injuries are the least sticky to predict because they're just hard to predict. Like, you know, you can wake up one day, feel great. The next day, you have a total new setback. And when you have a new setback, you start over in the protocol. It's not time-based. It's what's called criteria-based. You have to meet all these, check these boxes, be able to do these certain things without symptoms. If not, you sort of start from the beginning. So let's give it a try though, right? Of the fantasy wide receivers, fantasy relevant wide receivers who sustained a concussion in 2022. And, um, and then again, this season, right? They've all missed at least one game. In other words, you had a concussion in 22. You have another one in 23. Almost all of them have missed the game in 23, at least one. So only 16% of wide receivers who sustain it now, granted it's a small sample, but 16% uh, sustained a concussion in 22 and 23 and missed zero games this year. Uh, here's what I'll say. I don't want to suggest anything nefarious, but it's, I don't think it's surprising that the two guys who didn't miss time, two of the three guys who didn't miss time were Devontae Adams and Chris Godwin, something to consider, right? Um, which really brings us to another situation in Chris Godwin, which if you want to check that, you know, there's more information on that, but that's a different topic for a different day. He's got a neck issue now. So given the fact that the saints are decimated, given the fact that Chris Olave has been limited and given the fact that he is their star, I think that there are some things to tip the scales to say that he could potentially return. Um, would that be coming back too soon? Maybe. Is he at a high risk for re-injury? I think so. Is there a chance that he plays anyway? I also think so. Same conversation with Devon Achan. You probably don't have a better option than Chris Olave. He's going to be the only show in town. If he's, if he plays, you probably have to throw him out there again, high risk, high reward. If you just need a W, you just need 10 points, 12 points, start Greg Dorch, right? But if you are like trying to squeeze upside out of every possible nook and cranny that you can on your team, if you're in a situation like I am, if he's active, you're starting him and you're sort of living with the result. Absolutely. And um, I, I, I'm glad you pointed that out about uh, Devontae Adams and, and Chris Godwin, because I mean, you're right. And and, and the other thing that they're also looking at is D Detroit's, D Detroit's secondary has just been getting torched the last several weeks. And so maybe that's going to be their only chance because also the, I mean, this, the, that game has a sneaky kind of like you know, carnival possibility to it because of the fact that both defense, both like the the Detroit defense has been really giving it up, and the um, the Saints defense, the Saints secondary has also been you know, banged up with injuries. So they they're playing, with, they're they're going to get beat up too. So they're going to have to keep they're going to have to throw to pet, uh, keep up, and that could be a lave. So. Ah, that one's ah, that one's a tough one. That one's a tough one. I still I, <clears throat> just make sure you got you got At Perry uh, off the waiver wire. I know he's still not very much uh, very much rostered, but there is that possibility with him. So just to, just to have him, just in case, just in case. 
All right, the last player on the main event, Trey McBride, who's been coming on of late, battling a calf injury with big guys. These these kind of injuries could be it could be tough for them. What is uh, I mean the thought process with with him and possibly playing him? Yeah, so I think the thing with Trey McBride is you have to be a little bit careful. You you typically and so in my book this this summer, right? I um I basically didn't I didn't do tight ends. I didn't even analyze tight ends. I did quarterback, I did running back, I did wide receiver. The reason for that, Jorge, is because when you have a tight end that is upright and running routes and they have some sort of upside, you just throw them out there, man. Like injuries should not play that big of a of a factor into your decision making because really injuries and injury analysis is the stuff that you really look at under a microscope, like the finer margins to try to find an edge. If you have an upright tight end, you just go out. You just throw them out there, right? Here's a small sample to consider, though, when it comes to calf injuries, because they can result in a recurrence, right? You can have calf injuries and they result in a calf or in an Achilles tear. That's the super extreme example, like Kevin Durant. I'm not saying that's going to happen to Trey McBride, but he is, you know, he, he's a he's a big boy. How big is he? I'm, I'm going to Google that right now. Trey McBride's six, size. I think he's six. He's, I think he's like six, five, like 250 there. Yeah, he's so. a he's a big boy. Yeah. yeah, he's a big boy out there. And sometimes, like you mentioned, Jorge, he can. I got six, six three and five eighths, 246 pounds. That was uh, at mm -hmm. his, uh, at his combine. Good yeah. Lord. What a beast. Uh, so yeah, those guys, it can be a little tougher for them to come back, but here's a sample that I was going to mention. Here's just since 2018, these are, uh, tight ends who have had calf issues and sort of their end result. This is sort of like a list of relevant tight ends who actually got a uh, volume. They actually saw the field. They actually played right. Zach Ertz, 11.4 PPR points. Dallas got zero PPR points. George Kittle, eight PPR points. Evan Ingram, 10.4 PPR points. Given the state of the tight end position and all the buys that you're talking about, you're probably throwing Trey McBride out there and you're just going to hope that he gets another, what has he been doing? You know, right? Some 10 to 15, 12 to 15 PPR fantasy points. I'd be happy with that. I'm throwing Trey McBride out there and I'm absorbing any risks that could come uh, with the situation at hand. Awesome. Yeah, I mean... And and it's a and it's a game where I mean that's gonna be an interesting game because the fact that they're playing the Steelers who traditionally get beat up on the slot and those inline receivers. So if if he plays, he's he's gonna get out there. I mean, yeah, now that the now that we know that the the Steelers can throw the ball a little bit and get over 400 yards in a game. So now everybody's <laughs> now all of a sudden they're going to be the, the air Coriel chargers from the eighties. And so, uh, no, not quite, not quite, but yeah, they're the, these, the, the Cardinals are going to have to, they're going to have to throw to, uh, get, get, you know, they, their, their defense is going to get beat up and they, and they need Trey McBride. They need Marquise Brown, who's headed toward a tough game, tough matchup with Joey Porter jr. So, um, we'll get into that one. So, uh, you know, some players to, uh, that were kind of, kind of recommending to talk about, uh, you know, check out, check out on the Patreon. These are some of the players that have already been ruled out or trending toward being, uh, ruled out. Aaron Jones is one. He's already been ruled out. And, uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson, uh, Unfortunately, he's homecoming to uh, to Los Angeles. He's doubtful. Get Joe Flacco in Superflex leagues. Michael Wilson. We were talking about the Arizona team. Demario Douglas. Good matchup against the the Chargers. He's doubtful. We already talked about Rashid Shahid and Dalton Schultz. Another one with a good matchup against the Broncos. He's doubtful. So the players on that, but also just amigos, amigas, everybody. 
make sure you're getting into the Patreon, patreon.com slash injury prone. And also make sure you're coming, you're, you're going into the, uh, give me a select, give me a subscribe. You're getting this, you're getting at least two shows weekly. And sometimes I drop these, I'm able to drop these shows, at, cut them up into little smaller pieces. So it'd get them a little more bite size. So, uh, let's get it. Let's get into there. So any, uh, Oh, a couple of the players to talk about that, that to keep an eye on, to come back and possibly come back in week 14, Dallas Goddard, Darren Waller and Tyrod Taylor eligible to return from IR and Justin Jefferson uh, also returned to, you know, uh, potentially coming back and do not DM players. Okay. One more time. Do not DM players asking them about it, but you DM, you know, tweet at Edwin, tweet at me, tweet at any, tweet at any of the fantasy analysts. We'll, we'll, we'll take the bullets for them. The players are the players. You know, the only thing they need to hear is when, you know, that you're donating money because they helped you win money in your uh, fantasy football league. So that's all, that's all they should be hearing about. So, uh, mi amigo, uh, you know what? We, gosh, we didn't, we didn't tee up a cultura class. You, uh, you, you got, uh, I got, a, I got a cultura you, class for sure. Go for I don't it, know Thomas. if this, I don't know if this crosses cultures or not. It might. Um, but I was just thinking about this the other day, my family always celebrated Christmas Our Christmas celebration, um, was always, uh, December 24th, uh, Noche Buena. I don't, I think some people who aren't, uh, Latin do that, but I know that Mexicans for sure do that. I know Cubans for sure do that. It's a whole, it's a big thing for Cubans. Um, but I'm not sure that, but that's the cultura class is that most, well, I don't want to say most, but excuse me, a lot of families, they, um, a lot of, a lot of Latin families celebrate their Christmas celebration on the 24th and not the 25th. The 25th always was kind of just like a really quiet day where we just did recalentadas, where we heated up tam <laughs> leftover tamales and barbacoa, um, and the bizcochos, man, I'm telling you that stuff. Oh, I, I miss it. I miss it. If there's anything I miss from, from sort of a little kid growing up type stuff, it's really the food. I and mean, we always come back to the food, right? At least I do. I always come back to the food. That's always my, some sort of attachment to cultura class, but that's, that's what it is today is that most Latin families, they celebrate Christmas on the 24th. You know, it's funny. Uh, you just reminded me growing up as a kid, it was always, it was always Christmas Eve. Uh, and, uh, Abuelita would make sure we either prayed the rosary or we went to mass, uh, the, the night before. But, uh, a lot of times my abuelito, uh, God rest his soul. Uh, he would, he would dress up as Santa Claus, uh, every, you know, and, uh, he would dress up at, at midnight and our family, I mean, I mean, my, our family, is, is so huge that we had to switch it to Christmas day. Uh, because I mean, last year for Christmas, we had 125 people. So I'll go to my prima's house. So that's another yeah. cultura class in a cultura class. <laughs> Mexican families are huge, <laughs> monstrous, monstrous. So, but yes, you just reminded me and, uh, yeah, you, you just reminded me of, uh, so much of those, those ones, uh, those Christmases, because honestly we would, uh, Christmas Eve, sometimes we would go to bed like two o'clock in the morning because we were doing mm -hmm. gifts until mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. we'd stay up until midnight and, uh, do that. So, oh, now, I got I to gotta ask you, what's your favorite way to, re, to recalentar tam tamales? Oh, dude, on the comal, you have to... On the little tortilla maker. You know how it is, bro. You know. Perfecto. Oh, exactly. you just little... When I was little, when I was real young, my, and my, my abuela, my mom would do that, and then they would burn the husk. I'd be like, my tamales burnt. What's going on here? And then they'd open up, but it's like warm and perfect. You're just like, oh, this is... this is Now I understand. Now I understand the ways... <sighs> But yeah. if you, you can microwave if you're in a pinch, but man, the comal is the best way to do it. 
No, I've passed it on to my daughters. It has to be, it, they have to be reheated that way on the comal. That's the best way you get the, if you get a little bit of the crisp going on, it's just, oh, God, a little bit of heaven, a little bit of heaven. I still do it. I still do Absolutely. it to this day. And uh, yeah, my daughters actually want to, when, when they're all out at finals, uh, my, my sister wants to do uh, tamales. So we'll, uh, we'll be, we'll be, we'll be making the tamales over at her house. So, oh man. Uh, oh gosh. Good times. Good times, man. Amigo. Uh, well, Hey, you know what? Let's get out of here. You know what? Uh, amigos, amigas. Nuestra gente, you can find me at Jorge Martin 17 on Twitter. You can find all my content at yahoo.com. Also, the Familia FFP podcast. Keep an eye on that. Uh, mi amigo, compa, close it up. Any closing remarks? No, go check out Jorge's uh, work over at yahoo.com as well. Don't forget about that. Make, check me out on Twitter at FB Injury Oh, and don't forget fantasypoints.com. Uh, all that, all, all the all stuff the plugs, on there. All the plugs. All the plugs on there. So, uh, all right. Buena suerte. Lucky week number 13 in la semana 13. Hey, you know what? Vámonos. Let's win. Salud and buena suerte. <laughs>